It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Locked On Indians. This is your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. I promise there will be something up there soon. Uh, crazy time of year has led to lack of production and writing. I have another head cold, which is exciting, but let's get into the news. There's a few interesting moves today that really stood out, uh, mostly around the shortstop market. So let's start with Didi Gregarious, $14 million for one year to the Phillies. The Phillies made a trade a year ago uh, to get Juan Segura to fill that role. I assume he will slide over to second base. Uh, you know, they let go of uh, Cesar Hernandez, who was a productive second baseman, and uh, they just didn't want to pay him. So we'll see what team jumps on him in free agency. But uh, Gregarious, I can't fault the signing. Like, it's a solid signing. And the other thing about Didi is he wasn't offered arbitration by the Yankees. So if Didi has a great bounce back year, the Phillies can offer him arbitration and get a draft pick in a year. So that's something to consider. Like, he is a perfect candidate for that. Uh, he's someone to buy relatively low. And in a market that the, there are no shortstops available, uh, if you wanted a shortstop, you're kind of SOL at this point. The uh, the Reds were a team, well, Reds fans had at least been linking Didi to them, but they had also been linking Grandel to them. And, uh, yeah, they got Moose, who they're going to play out of position. But we'll see. The The Reds are also being linked to Shogo Ayuam. I'm not going to even try because I know my pronunciations drive people up the wall. Someone I'd love to see the Indians target. Um, I talked about him at length on this very podcast. Uh, If you have the uh, athletic, there's a great Eno Saris piece that kind of highlights a lot of what I talked about in a better way than what I talked about on here. But Gregarious is a good value pickup for the Phillies who continue just to load up uh, on talent. It's a... What it is for him is he gets a payday. I mean, $14 million is nothing to scoff at, but he also has a chance to reestablish his value. Because if we go back to this time a year ago, and any Yankees fan would think I was crazy to say that Didi isn't even offered arbitration uh, for or by the Yankees. So Gregarious, another piece to the Phillies. And then a really interesting trade occurred um, with the former shortstop. Zach Kosart was traded uh, from the Angels to the Giants, and all the Angels get back is cash considerations. Now, Zach Cozart, I talked about on the show, and I talked about the Angels, really didn't have a home. He was going to make a little more than $12 million this year. And to get the Giants to take him on, the uh, the Angels included Will Wilson, who was their first-round pick this past year, uh, one of the top 20 picks in the draft. Uh, one of those guys that, uh, you know, the, the new front office in San Francisco, I'm not surprised, like Will Wilson, uh, to come from a statistical background, Will Wilson was a young for his class, high-level performer who played up the middle. Uh, there's a lot of things to like about Will Wilson, and it's also like the crazy time where now we can trade draft picks so quickly. So Wilson moves on to the Giants. Uh, if I was looking at the Giants system, let me pause. Will Wilson would uh, definitely slot in the top five prospects for me in the Giants system. Uh, you know, it's Helio Ramos, Joey Bart, Bart, and Hunter Bishop are definitely higher. Um, Marco Luciano and Logan Webb were, were interesting. 
the giant system, and I'm a big Sean Jelly fan. Uh, I think he keeps getting eternally underrated and is still really underrated. The guy just keeps performing. Uh, he's young for his class. If you're not familiar with Sean Jelly, it's H-J-E-L-L-E. Uh, that's one of those I actually learned the pronunciation of. But he is six foot eleven. He's a really interesting pitcher, 225 pounds, uh, rail thin, uh, played at Kentucky. And I think one of the things we underrate in a player like this, this past year, a strikeout rate of 7.5, a 3.2 walk rate in AA in a second season. And his hit rate was actually kind of high, but his his FIP was quite low. Uh, and that's one of those things we talked about. His bat pip was, was through the roof. He got unlucky. But when you talk about something like Jelly, I just have to talk about it. Like, he is the, the outlier. Like, you don't face 6'11 pitchers. And on top of that, just due to his height and length, he's releasing that ball so much later. You don't get as much time to kind of react as you would with a normal guy. So that that's my little diatribe on a, a guy that I think is, is massively underrated right now in terms of prospects. But, I mean, I was a big Will Wilson fan. Um, I thought he was a great pick by the Angels. The Angels will also get cast consideration. Now, this is obviously... The Angels are making a play for um, for Garrett Cole. This helps them with that. And, you know, we'll see what happens in terms of, uh, you know, if they don't get Garrett Cole, how quickly they, they pivot to Rendon. Like, I thought maybe they'd pivot to another pitcher, but it seems that they're going to be smart and they're just going to pivot to the... I mean, arguably Rendon is the top free agent. One could make a case uh, in this class just because of uh, he's been a lot more consistent. But... Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna pay somebody. So the Angels are going to give someone a lot of money, uh, and we'll kind of see who it is. Uh, it's gonna be interesting, just where all the dominoes fall. Once Garrett Cole drops, things are going to move very quickly. But it's the other fascinating thing about the Zach Cosart deal. That's twelve million dollars for a like I said, a, a guy who was a first round pick, a top twenty selection uh, a year ago. The the talk is that the Yankees want to trade J. A. Happ. Who had a down year and is out seventeen million? We'll uh, we'll see what it costs. Like, and I've talked about it. The Yankees minors are not good. They do not have depth. To me, that's like a, a bottom ten system, probably a bottom seven system. I don't know what they could what they could uh, tie to their uh, their valuation to uh, to ship out of town for them because uh, you know you're not going to ship Dominguez or Devi Garcia. And I'll, I'll stand by my Esteban Florio has minimal trade value statement that I, I made earlier. Um, so yeah, the Yankees don't really have the pieces to do something like this as much. I mean, maybe there's someone, but you're going to have to trade multiple pieces more than likely. Um, Anthony Volope, who was their first round pick, is just not viewed as highly as a lot of the other guys in this uh that draft class, I'm not going to say it was an overdraft. It was kind of about the right range, but I know I wasn't as high on him. And I just pulled up Fangraph's list, and they didn't even have him in the top 10. So it's it's going to be something like they would essentially have to trade away two prospects um, to get someone to, to eat Hap. Uh, and then also came out today that the San Diego Padres want to uh, find a taker for Will Myers. And, you know, it, it's interesting seeing the San Diego fans react badly to me saying yeah you're not you're gonna have to give massive prospects because will myers is owed 68 million and the, the response i got 
and I understand that like his average salary is down to like 13 million a year but at the end of the day you still have to pay him 68 million over the next three years which you don't want to do he was a below league average bat a year ago and he's owed 68 million as he enters his 30s it's one of the worst contracts in baseball for the the Padres to move Will Myers to a team like we've seen that 12 million dollars for Zach Cosart, who you could have kept in a utility role, had some value, netted a, a first-round pick. The cost for $68 million of of, uh, of Will Myers, uh, pulling up San Diego's list right now, I mean, you're probably going to have to to trade somebody like C.J. Abram or Taylor Trammell. Like, that's how much it would cost to, to get him off the books. Louis Patina, like, it's going to cost them... I know Mackenzie Gore is untouchable, as he should be, but honestly, if you want to move Will Myers, you probably have to move Taylor Trammell to make it work, um, just in terms of a prospect, and that's probably not enough. Like, $68 million over three years for a first-base-only prospect whose bat isn't good. I don't care if the average value of the contract is under $14 million. It's still $68 million, and there's not a lot of teams that can or will want to take on that much cash. It doesn't matter. Yes, the average helps in terms of luxury tax, but he's not a productive bat. Like, it doesn't matter what his average salary is if he's not helping you in terms of overall performance. And Will Myers is not helping you in terms of performance. He's just not. So, again, the whole thing about the average uh, value uh, really has no value because negative war a year ago, below average bat, below average defense. Uh, first year in San Diego, he was an all-star. Hit 30 home runs in 2017, 2018 in uh, 83 games. He had 11 home runs and was about as good as he was in 2017, in all honesty. His age 28 year, though, he really went off a cliff, and now you got him going into his age 29 year with multiple years of regression. Um, first base only. Sorry, Padres fans. If you're going to get rid of Will Myers, if you're going to try to clear that money, it's the same deal with Hosmer. Hosmer and Myers are arguably two of the worst contracts in baseball at this point in time. What is not a bad money investment is BlueChew.com, our longtime sponsor. BlueChew.com uh, has been with us since the beginning. If you have ever been curious about mail enhancement, here is the opportunity for you. You're going to go over to BlueChew.com. You're going to use the promo code Locked On, and that shows them that you are supporting the Locked On Network and trying their product. You get to try it for free. You're just going to pay the five bucks for shipping, and they will then discreetly mail it to your door. This is your chance. If you ever wanted to try it, five bucks, and you can see what it does for you. BlueChew.com, promo code locked on. So, the big question, of course, now to, to loop back around to what we were just talking about Cosart being traded at this exact moment at what feels like a very high cost. Um, it, it makes you wonder how close the Angels are to um, Garrett Cole. He has, you know, been at the top of their wish list. He has been the guy that they have been chasing. Uh, he's at the top of a lot of wish lists. But to go out and make this move right now uh, stands out for me in terms of just being, this is a, a team who feels pretty confident that they are going to need that extra space. And again, you know, just to talk about Wilson, they kept him in the, the rookie league and he had a 768 OPS, a 275 uh, batting average, 328 on base, 439 slugging. For rookie league, that's actually not a great level performance for him. Uh, he was fantastic at NC State. 
but we have seen some guys struggle with the NC State transition, so we'll see. I, I'm curious to look at the uh, Park Factor ratings for NC State, but uh, Will Wilson uh, did not turn 21 into the end of July, which is another one of those things that always stands out for him. So let's talk about some of the things that came up today. Uh, one, we already talked about D.D. Gregarious. Two, the Indians are one of the teams that are uh, kicking the tires on Jose Pereza. Now, Pereza is one of those players who has feels like he's been around forever. Um, you know, he was, gosh, where did he start? He was a top prospect with the Braves uh, when they were really building things. And he was part of just a kind of a crazy deal where you go back at this three-team deal and the Braves trade Bronson Arroyo, Louis Ian, Jim Johnson, and Alex Wood to the Dodgers. Uh, the Dodgers send Zachary Bird, Hector Oliveira, and Paco Rodriguez to the Braves. Now, Hector Oliveira was this uh, experienced Cuban hitter who ended up being just a terrible human being and uh, essentially became a millstone around the Braves' neck. Uh, the Dodgers sent Victor Arroyo, Kevin Guzman, and Jeff Brigman to the Miami Marlins, and the Miami Marlins sent Matt Laptos and Mike Morris to the Dodgers, and the Marlins sent a comp pick to the Braves. So after the Dodgers acquired him, the, he was then traded to the uh, the Reds as part of the the package of players that got moved around. I've mentioned this before in, in the Todd Frazier deal. In his time in Cincinnati, uh, this past year was not good. But the year before that, he was about a league average bat. 288 average, 326 on base, 416 slugging. He can run. He can uh, play a solid second base. Not going to be great, but can be a little bit better than average. He's got good contact rates. Um, so, you know, the the Reds let him go, even though I believe he had multiple years. Yeah, so if a team were to sign him to, like, a one-year contract, I believe since he still has arbitration eligibility, um, unless the contract specifically forbade it, he would a team could get his rights, or if you had just bothered to claim him when he was let go, um you would have you would control him until 2022 because he has that much team control yet he is just uh 25 years of age will be 26 before the start of next season he's paid in close to uh let's see it time in the majors 500 plus games and he's been worth about half a win so he's a nice flyer can play a you know he's played shortstop second and outfield not the worst addition, not the best. The nice thing with Pereza is if you add him and let's say he does win the second base job, then all of a sudden uh, when Nolan Jones is ready or you hope he becomes ready, Pereza can shift into your super utility role and present value there. That is interesting that uh, we saw today David Price could be a trade candidate. My only issue there is uh, I feel like that's Boston saying that teams want to trade for David Price. David Price will be 35 in the middle of next season. And he is owed. Uh, he is owed almost a hundred million signed through twenty twenty two at thirty two million a year. Uh, as we've seen, teams just massively value the ability to stay under the luxury tax. Um, thirty two million is a lot, and it's a millstone for a guy who has not been, you know, who's starting to see his age. Uh, Again, 34 is kind of old for a pitcher. We've seen that. We have fans always complaining about David Price or uh, David Price, Corey Kluber. Uh, since he signed, you know, that first year in Boston, he was uh, he had 35 starts. Next year was 
11, 30, 22. His war during those years in Boston, 3, 1.6, 4.4, 1.8. So he's making 30 million and he's been on average worth like two and a half wins. That's not good valuation. Um, I can't see any team calling him on David Price. It's, again, the money doesn't make sense. So I'm going to put that as one of the bogus trade rumors. Nomar Mazara's name comes up, not necessarily with the Indians. Um, he is, almost all of his value is tied to, like, scouting him as a young player. He's going to be a free agent at the, you have him for the next two years. If two years is team control. And he is, I talked about him already on the podcast. I don't get why teams want to chase a guy. You know, you are hoping that his age, you know, he's going to be 25 in April. 25, 26, he's hitting his prime. So maybe he blossoms, but uh, a below-average player for his career so far and will likely cost way too much for that. The other talk was that uh, basically Texas has too many lefties. So Mazzara very likely will get moved. I think he's most likely because he has trade value, and it makes sense to move him now because if he doesn't do anything, I mean, his, his value plummets once you get him below one year of uh, control. So that makes sense. Uh, Willie Calhoun's name came up. Uh, I would be very intrigued if they really are willing to move on from Willie Calhoun. Um, High-level production in the minors, kind of a weak defender, but walk rate, uh, hit for some power a year ago, and 21 home runs in 83 games. I mean, I say I mean a lot, but not a free agent until 2025. Uh, I don't know what the fit would be between the Indians and the Rangers. The Rangers could use a catcher. The Indians don't really have one, so we'll have to wait and see there. But uh, Willie Calhoun was the one that intrigued me. Just always been a hitter first. Um, So that was the other piece of just news that we're seeing throughout the day today. Things are kind of cold. Oh, and then I forgot that the uh, the Astros are going to consider listening to uh, offers on Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa has been beat up a bit the last few years. Uh, you know, 109, 110, just 75 games this year. He's only played in more than 110 games once in his career. Uh, he's entering his age 25 year. Uh, he just turned 25, but it's still it's his age 25 year. He's highly productive. Um, most years, he's just you know offensively one of the top offensive shortstops in baseball. He's going to get super expensive in arbitration, though. And if you feel that Carlos Correa cannot stay healthy, um, I can understand, because the Astros supposedly are a team who are trying to now re-sign Cole. So if they need to move on from Correa, it's the same reason there's some talk they might move on from Springer. Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to move on from Correa, the logic at this point, uh, if you don't think the Indians are going to trade Lindor, and DD is off the market, there is no one out there in the shortstop market. So they can go out, demand a King's Ransom, and likely get it. Uh, Correa will be a free agent the same time that uh, Lindor is, so you're getting him for 2020 and 2021. Uh, So he's, yeah, offensive production, again, off the charts, when healthy, just has not been able to stay healthy on a consistent basis. very curious to see what the final cost is in arbitration for him, but I understand why Houston would move on. There is a logic to this. Um, they have other pieces they might want to lock up. He's going to get expensive, and they are in a situation to sell high relative to the market weakness. 
So, again, that's a very Houston thing to do is to realize that they kind of have an opportunity now in a market where if you need a shortstop, there's not a lot of options, and they can offer someone who is a, uh, a potential star at the position for uh, two years and save them a little bit of money. His arbitration estimate is currently $7.4 million, so it's not going to save them a ton, but I don't even know if it's so much about saving money as it is. He's been unable to stay healthy, and they have this opportunity to uh, run into a market where like the top shortstop left on the market is it Andy uh, Heca Hechevaria? is it Jody Mercer Jose Iglesias I mean you could make a legit case that Jose Iglesias is the top shortstop on this market in terms of performance and production so yeah makes a lot of sense to uh, to sell a shortstop if you have one to sell right now uh, but the only other bit of information to talk about was we saw that uh, Sterling Marte, the Pirates want a young catcher in the deal. Uh, it makes sense. The Pirates have one catcher on their 40-man right now, which is kind of crazy. You know, the Indians have three, uh, and they always typically carry three or four uh, points on their 40-man. Uh, I don't know what Eric Haas's trade value is, if anything. Uh, I don't know if you could use him as part of a deal for someone like Marte. There's no doubt he would be an upgrade. Uh, Marte would be. I don't know if Haas would be an upgrade for the Pirates. But the guy does hit for power um, and could be, you know, there's, he, he can call an all right game and hit for power. I'll be curious to see uh, where or when he finally gets an opportunity. So that's kind of a, a quick rundown. The winter meetings are always fun. There's so much to talk about, so many things going around. Once Cole signs, we are going to finally see all the dominoes start to go. It should be a lot of fun. I think we'll see Cole sign before the end of the winter meetings. And Friday's show will be extra fun, just to give you that look in the future. As we'll, we'll go into the Rule 5 on Friday. I don't write my Rule 5 piece anymore. Uh, it was a lot of work for very little payoff. But this is the most fascinating Rule 5 in recent memory because we have 26-man rosters next year. It's a lot easier to stash. So my bet, Kaye Tom definitely gets selected. And Jose Fermin is a maybe. But I think Kaye Tom is not going to be with the Indians at the end of the uh, the Rule 5 draft. So, uh, But I believe after... I have to look at the rules. Uh, once someone gets selected, how it works for the rest of your team. But uh, yeah, it's definitely something to look at, something to pay attention to. The Indians are going to lose someone, for sure. Thank you for listening. Uh, I will hopefully won't lose any of my followers after having a, another bad case of head cold. Uh, yay for being a teacher. <laughs> those, uh, those kids are just great incubators for disease. Uh, thank you for listening. And again, dealing with my constant illness. This has been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMOBDraft. And as always, go Tribe. And Indians do something other than Bo Taylor. Like, that's a fine move, but something... Didi Gregarious for fourteen million. That 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 would have been nice. Like, that's not bad. Fourteen million. They should be able to afford that. <sighs> hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.